Everybody gets a piece, we're going mainstream. Everybody's gonna eat, we're going mainstream. All my family is singing. See you on mainstream, we're going mainstream. Wall Street to Melrose Avenue. We're going mainstream. Venture capitalists to athletes to creators. Adam, welcome, welcome to the Alco's Mainstream Podcast. Thanks for having me. This is fantastic. I'm very excited to to be on the Alco's Mainstream Podcast. I uh, I'm trying not to close the browser while I'm readjusting, <laughs> so it looks like I'm looking in your eyes. Uh, the yeah, thanks for having me. This is a exciting year, week, month, day. This must be. This must be a super exciting day for you, huh? Yeah. Well, it, well, it's it is really exciting. You, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot. The uh, it's a lot of people have been uh, so about, uh, in referencing to like my Coinbase investment, my seed stage Coinbase investment. Everyone's like, this is like a once in a lifetime seed investment, and I keep thinking, I hope not. <laughs> You don't. You don't want this to be your best, right? Yeah, but but but, I, but, but in general, like it, it has. Uh, I've been thinking. I've been having some time this week to think about. Like I'm really, th- like, thankful for the Coinbase investment because it ended up being a defining investment for me over the course of my whole career. So uh, not because of today, but because I ended up investing in crypto companies, and we at Boost VC have supported. 130 crypto related startups at this point. So we're like, yeah, pretty amped. Well, I, I think one of the interesting things about that is like in venture, there's always some element of luck. Now you have to be well placed for that luck in terms of being in the right place at the right time. Like you were having the right insights to figuring out whether or not this is the right investment to make. And at the time it was very, very non-obvious that that Coinbase was going to be the right investment. But I mean, when you think about like getting lucky earlier in your career, what has that done in terms of shaping the way you think about investing into crypto in general and what that's kind of brought in terms of the cascading effects? Yeah, I think early, early in my career, I didn't, uh, well, you, you know, you get to look at this game that everyone plays with fresh eyes, right? And, and like, I just sort of, I, I only invested in about, well, only, I invested in about 20 companies as an angel investor before I founded Boost VC. Um, and I just picked people who I thought had very unique perspectives and who uh, were great to be around. And, um, and that ended up working. And, and so it was, it was one of those things where I sort of made an assumption that the hard technology could be built, where a lot of other people might have made the assumption that you need a market to make that work. And I, it was very counterintuitive to go into crypto. But I didn't at the time, I think a lot of it, I didn't know any better in a lot of ways where it was sort of early. I was 26. Uh, I was very fortunate to be in a position where I could invest a little bit of money. Um, and at the end of the day, though, Coinbase, I was I was lucky. Like I got lucky when I was 26, and I, then 
the 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 luck continued though where i built conviction around cryptocurrency in general um and then i, I haven't introduced myself should i introduce myself or like should we introduce well, ourselves? we were gonna we were gonna get there yes yes so I, I think that's a great segue into like so yes you 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 made this great seed investment amongst others but you then after that created boost so, so yeah tell us a little bit about your about your background okay, uh, my, about how you got got to where you are today yeah my I, my name's Adam Draper. Uh, my entire career up to this point, I started started a company called Expert Financial about 13, 14 years ago. Um, and then uh, after four and a half years, it, it we ran out of money. Um, and uh, But I took those learnings and I started to coach entrepreneurs. And I, the ones that I really, really liked, I invested a little bit of money in. Um, and I realized I wanted to make that a more professionalized system where I could professionalize is the wrong word, like a better system where I got to do it in groups and doing it, investing in groups was called an accelerator. Uh, and so in uh, 2012, uh, three weeks after I made my Coinbase seed investment, I founded Boost VC with my partner, Brayton Williams. Um, and we, since then, uh, are the accelerator for sci-fi. So we invest in, uh, there, there's, there's this new breed of sci-fi uh, founder who is building revolutionary technology and defining new markets. And they happen to be in, these, these people happen to be in cryptocurrency, they happen to be in virtual reality and in space and nuclear fission and neuro things. So we, we, we like to invest in things where people sort of neglected markets, I should say. Okay. So when you made your Coinbase investment, did you know that you were starting Boost? And did you know that Boost was going to be focused on investing into the crypto space? Uh, so quick, no. Uh, I found <laughs> it I, because my first 20 investments ended up being... Uh, wide range. The only one Bitcoin investment, so it was Coinbase. And I actually didn't own Bitcoin yet. Uh, I, we can get into that sort of story later. Um, I and I have I, I invested in another company shortly after that uh, called Benchling. Uh, that actually my partner and I went to just as a hangout, and they just announced a fundraise at a four billion dollar valuation. So that's another great, great you know I. I, it was a good year. It was a good vintage starting to invest in like 2011, 2012. Um, and, and so I was figuring it out. It was sort of a little bit of a figuring out. I hadn't really done, uh, it, it was convertible notes then, not safes. Safes have sort of taken over. Um, and I was just thinking, hey, uh, I want to do this with, with groups of people. Brayton Williams, uh, my co-founder also, uh, was on board for doing, you know, working hard with me. And so we recruited a session and we put together an accelerator class of seven companies. I wanted to do 15 and every person I talked to was like, 15's a lot. You don't want to do 15. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we'll do seven. Um, and so we ended well, up with you seven. You had a very good reason though. I mean, but yeah. you had very good reason, right? Like you want more at bats. So in theory, more companies the, in an accelerator makes more sense. And what they, they sort of, they knew that I didn't know, even if they hadn't run an accelerator was, you don't know what you have if you're doing it, if you're trying to uh, 
spread it too much. Like if you're trying to do too many, too many companies at once, you don't have the time. You don't have the, like with 20 companies, it's very difficult to spend enough time with each, each person. Um, yeah. And boost VC evolved. Like we evolved in here. I'm going to take a quick break and just play the guitar for a second. Uh, I'm really bad at the guitar, but our, during my LP meetings, so this is a, for, uh, for FYI for everyone out there, if there, if there, if there are people, it, I, I play the guitar, uh, at the beginning of every LP update. Um, and, uh, so everyone's heard me play. I haven't played this morning and I haven't played in about two months, but can you guys hear it? Can you hear it? Oh yes, we can, we can hear this for sure. Are there any lyrics? Coinbase is going public today. Coinbase. Coinbase. It was the first crypto success. So good, Brian Armstrong, Fred Urson. Okay. <laughs> Got him. This this might have to become a new thing when companies ring the bell. I, I think they might have to also have their token token guitar player helping Just, them ring the I, bell with with, know, with something do, as, as musically way, as musically proficient as that. I think ringing the bell is old. Like I don't think we should be ringing the bell anymore. I don't think ringing the bell is over. It's it's done. But I you know I'm not fully on board with the guitar playing yet. I uh, but I do enjoy surprising people with a little fun. Uh, during during any any time I can be on, and it's very liberating to do something random in front of a bunch of people. Um, and during <laughs> during pandemic, it's like very difficult to find like that random moment where a lot of people are like hanging. Oh, I, I mean. Uh... I think what's so cool about this is now I think everybody's going to want to have a Zoom call with you because they're just going to want to get on a Zoom and hear, and hear you play guitar. <laughs> I'm in. I'll, I'll do, it would be amazing if that becomes practice and I actually get better because as of now, that, though, that strum of chords is the only strumming I know of chords. And I made it up when I was 14 and I pick up and that's it. That's, that's my whole – actually – I did learn uh, closing time and uh, backbeat. The word is on the street. The, Wonderwall. Um, so Wonderwall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are my those are okay. my things. Yeah, man. You, you have a little. You have a little. Uh, <clears throat> a little guitar guitar singing portfolio that's cropping up. Not not quite as many. Uh, not, not quite as many songs in your portfolio as you have in, as as companies at Boost. That's companies, but yes. but we're we're getting there. It's a, it's a process. It, it, it is, and the. Uh, Actually, here, I, 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 I can't, can I tell the Brian Armstrong like story thing? Like, is that, a, so that's, a, I, I would, that's exactly where I want to get to. So I, I want to like, there's a whole deep dive here on so many aspects of this story from like, how did you meet Brian? I mean, you, you were emailing back and forth, which is out in the public. You'd invested in a number of startups, uh, at that point. So, so there's so much we want, I want to get into here. Uh, so first of all, Tell us, how did you first hear about Coinbase? Yeah, so I I did attend a Y Combinator demo day, um, and they I didn't really watch the presentations though. I what I I did was I got the list, 
Um, and uh, I, I hadn't started Boost VC yet. I was trying to get involved in more startups. I, and I looked at every single, I read every single uh, one-liner. And I think this is an undervalued skill set of founders is saying what you do very clearly in one line. Um, and there were about three or four who stood out to me in that group of companies. Um, what Coinbase's one-liner was, and I did talk to Brian on the day, but very briefly. And I was like, oh, what do you do? You know, like trying to match him to whatever this thing is. And it said, Coinbase, a digital currency marketplace. Uh, I didn't know what a digital currency was. I didn't know you could have a, enough of them that you could have a marketplace of them. Uh, and so, did, so, did you even know what Bitcoin was? Uh, no, and I, I didn't know what Bitcoin was yet. And so I, I had no idea what Bitcoin, but he, the thing he didn't do was put Bitcoin in that phrase. Uh, and I'm sure that was a very specific decision made by a group of people like mentors and stuff. Just to make it more awareness that hey, it could be anything on this marketplace. Um, there was only Bitcoin on it at that time. So I emailed him, uh, and someone did the research. I emailed him that night. So I followed up, which you know, to my credit, like I followed up that night, and I said, "Hey, Brian, we met, uh, yeah, at at the, at the Y Y Combinator demo day." Um, it. it I'm I'm interested in what you're doing, uh, and I've invested. I wanted to give myself credibility, like, and I had invested in about three other companies, so I listed all three of those companies, and and, and so I was like, I was he Coinbase was literally my fifth investment ever, so it was like I I I, I there it was very it was early in my career, um, yeah. Do you want me to just like go steamroll? So, go well, no, thing? no. So, so okay, so so just yeah, to set the context here, right? Like this was August 2012, I believe on August 15th, which was a few days before Demo Day. I think five days before Demo Day, the price of Bitcoin was thirteen dollars and twenty cents, which was apparently at the time very close to the all-time high at that point in time. Yes. So well, it, there yes. was some some things about Bitcoin starting to get in the news, right? So then, so it, it had actually, you, so then Bitcoin had actually crashed so, by the time I talked to Brian uh, at the next week. So I talked to him the next. Okay. Right. How, how did you How did you feel about that? I didn't know what Bitcoin crashing meant. Like I, it was one of those like he uh, was like, well, it was up at it was at like fifteen earlier this week. It's at ten today. Like, and like, I think to him, that was a big deal. To me, it was sort of like, I don't know, like it was, uh, it was a, I didn't know what Bitcoin was. So I was learning. Um, but, but so what, here, I set up a meeting with Brian, right? And mm -hmm. the, and we met at uh, Red Rock. I always <laughs> like to give credit to the places I go as sort of part of the decision context. Uh, I had, okay. my, where's, where's Red Rock? It's in Mountain View. Uh, so I, I went okay. over to Mountain View, it's, uh, which was, it was really close to my, where I was living at the time. I was in an apartment, uh, like two blocks away from Red Rock. It was my favorite coffee shop, but I didn't drink coffee at the time. I drink coffee now, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, and I went there and I got a hot chocolate with whipped cream. Uh, and I went down and sat with Brian and we met, he showed up by the way, that's, that was step two. I followed up, but he showed up to that, which was great. 
Um, well, he did in his email ask you, what can I help? What, what can I do to help you make a decision to invest in Coinbase? Right. Because out of YC, unlike today, where every YC company imaginable has like people investing and closing rounds before rounds are done or before demo day has happened and they're all oversubscribed and everything. Coinbase was far from an oversubscribed round. Correct. Oh, yeah. So, so, so he only raised like a few hundred thousand dollars also, at that point also, of a million dollar round. Also, in every YC group, it's import. It's probably important to look at the non-hot companies as much as the hot companies. Okay, like and actually, just the non-hot companies. Like the, that group is <laughs> that's the interesting stuff that people go. No, I don't understand that, so I can't go for it. Right. And like the so it'll be like investing in Africa. Oh, investing in South America. Oh, like. The, uh, investing in crypto, investing in it's like the hard the the things that you you have to have a a leap of trust for, and those things happen to be the biggest upside. Like that just is how it works. Um, so I, we we sat down and like the two things that I always basically say when I re- reiterate our conversation um, is that he said at some point the world is going to be on one financial infrastructure, and to me that struck a chord because I was thinking, why isn't it? it like that was my immediate rea- response was sort of like, yeah, that makes sense. Like why wouldn't, why, why wouldn't I be able to be on one rail to be able to send money from me to anyone in the world? Because we can do that with the internet, right? Like we, we can send messages, but for money, for some reason, we have all these different paths and it's expensive to pick those paths. At, at the time, did you think of Bitcoin or any other crypto asset that, that would have been relevant to Coinbase's digital asset marketplace as being a money transfer element? Or did you think of this as being like the next digital, the digital version of gold or a store of value? Okay, so uh, it's an interesting topic you're bringing up. Well, uh, by the way, he said, I believe that Bitcoin is the technology that will lead us there to the... <laughs> The, mm-hmm. the, this one financial infrastructure. And so we're the easiest way to buy Bitcoin. Like that's his pitch, you know? Um, and so we talked a little bit. I had to learn what Bitcoin was. I had to wrap my head around that. So he, uh, what, the one of the things I remember from that conversation was he uh, focused hard on two things, security of the platform. Like, hey, we're dealing with people's money. It's really secure. And I, I, I now realize why that was super important. Then I remember waving it off and being like, I figure you'll figure out the security. Um, and then on the. Uh, was that because of his background uh, focusing on uh, fraud prevention and payments at Airbnb? So he, that was the way that he w- would present it, right? Like I focus on fraud payments at Airbnb, like it will be of the best security there is. I just made this huge assumption that as a very. <laughs> He came off as a very credible developer. And I was like, you will figure out the security. You know, that's probably the most important part of this, right? Like, that's probably the most important part of your entire thing. Um, the, the other thing that he said was, uh, we have a bank account, which I, I should have thought, like, well, why is that important? And I, I think we did talk about it because I remember him telling me, this is one of the, the first pattern in a long pattern of Brian Armstrong always focusing on the most important thing when building his, his business. The, uh, the, the bank 
account, like a lot of exchanges actually got shut down due to bank accounts not allowing you to be able to host them there. So what he did was he actually mm-hmm. spent money on a lawyer. He spent about, I think it was like 25, 30% of the money in the bank account. It was like $30,000, $40,000 on this one letter to a lawyer, which is, you know, you never want money to be going to lawyers in, in the beginning of your startup. But he knew that it was a qualifier for him, for Coinbase getting a bank account. And he knew how important that was going to be long term for the business model, which was transactions. Um, and so he, that was the first, by doing that, it created a moat. It was really, really difficult for any other business or any other crypto company where SV, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but SVB was the original bank account that he had. And everyone tried to go to SVB to get uh, a crypto bank account and they wouldn't really let anyone else in after that. So it, it did, it became a form of a very specific regulatory moat of like uncertainty, but SVB was willing to experiment with one or two companies. Right. Um, and so, yeah. At that point, when you heard Brian go through this logic and focus on that as the important thing, or, or and we'll get to this later, but the, your your version of seeing the ball of like what's really important, what has to be done now, were, did you have full conviction in Brian at that point? So he, I, the, the main thing that he came off as was a very <laughs> rational person, and it was a rational person who left Airbnb, which was known to be a rocket ship, which was a bigger company than the entire market size of Bitcoin at the time. So like a rational person doing something super irrational. And that's something that I I have started to say uh, is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for founders who are sort of uh, misunderstood, but also they are very rational. They have a background of uh, uh, being able to do what they say they're going to do. And they're going after a a market that's like, what? and that's what he was. Brian was an irrational, uh, a rational person doing an irrational thing. Um, he then, but then he also rationally in that meeting said, uh, the, the first, this is the first founder who ever said this to me. He said, this is a, this could be a trillion dollar market. And no one, no pitch I've ever been in has anyone ever said this could be a trillion dollar market. Now he undersold, it turns out. He undersold because the market's already $2 trillion and now we're just getting started, right? Like we're, we're nine years in just getting started. And the, uh, and so on the, on the, on the seeing the ball, what I look for is commitment. I look for energy and, um, and then I look for this authenticity, which I believe fits this rational, irrational thing. Um, and he, he did have those, those things. He had those pieces um, and he was really kind. He was, he was like, he was just a really, really genuinely kind person. Um, he was, a, and he was excited about talking about Bitcoin. He was excited about talk, like, he was excited to talk about the technology and he tried to, and he was trying to let the, the, one of the things I do always, I always want to highlight is Brian had the hardest job of all of most of crypto. I shouldn't say all of crypto, which was he educated. Why, the why do you say that? Yeah, it, he educated the entire investor market on what Bitcoin was, and he got rejected by everyone. So it was basically like everyone welcomed him in to like chortle at him, basically thinking that this thing's not going to be a thing. And then, uh, and so he educated everyone, all the investors who could have invested, 
And then he uh, and, and so everyone had their first meeting with what Bitcoin is. And so few people give Brian enough credit for that. The early days of actually having to educate this investor market because he ended up representing this transition in crypto from the anarchist to the computer scientist and then the computer mm-hmm. scientist to the financial people like he well, has bridged those gaps of people how do you think coinbase has built and grown it itself in that same context right cuz coinbase is really the bridge between the crypto world and the traditional world in many senses and it's become the on-ramp you call it gateways i think but it's it's the business that that has its feet in both worlds because it has the it has to have the trust of traditional investors to be able to use it and it has to have some regulatory components and it's a centralized business in a decentralized world they've done really well that uh, well i mean I, I get to say that on their ipo right like i get to say that they did pretty well especially because it's one of the largest but of all i guess on, on that point though what adam on that point though do you think that brian's early experiences having to not only sell his company but sell the space has helped him shape the company in a way where he's not only had to build a company for the crypto world, but sell the vision to the traditional world. There should be a word for like those people. I like the, the, well, I guess it'd be mission driven founders or something, but like there, 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 these people like, uh, Palmer lucky who did it with VR and the Oculus, uh, uh, the, they have to, define a market, define the early users, and then they also need to educate the next rung of people and figure out what pressure points to hit in order to like move, grow the market. Because their problem at Coinbase wasn't n- no market. It was how big that market was. And, and so they, and, and, and they were thinking, hey, this is money. So the market for money is huge. And whenever anyone from the outside in looked, though, they were thinking the market's Bitcoin and the market is small. And so it really becomes relative how you look at it. Um, I think that they when they they were always whenever they focused on being the easiest way to buy Bitcoin, the easiest way to onboard to the crypto economy, the easiest way they were always great. Like, I think that they did that very well. And then it attracted the the market itself attracted different types of people over the course of the like when we originally got in, it was idealists and anarchists like it was it was, uh, you know, and and there was a transition where it was entrepreneurs and computer scientists starting to get in, but they needed to attract more than entrepreneurs and computer scientists. And so then it moved where it was like, oh, the financial markets are actually attracted to this. Let's let's build more products for that. And um, and so, I think that we're in that world right now, really. So you've probably had multiple phases of aha moments, like crypto is really here. What was the first aha moment of like, okay, this is a thing, and Coinbase is a thing, and I need to I need to be involved in Coinbase. Okay, so uh, so first, I, I didn't even say why I invested in Coinbase. Like linearly, <laughs> I should probably tell that story. Like so. I did. Uh, I did. Uh, I left. I didn't invest during that meeting. I, I, it, it, uh, he said he had three hundred thousand dollars committed. Uh, I, you know, maybe <laughs> strong, maybe strong, maybe. Um, 
and he, he uh, and he did, he did. He, he was very overly honest, but the, uh, I, I left and I was like, I was a little like, I was like Bitcoin. Like I, you know, the first time you hear the word Bitcoin, you're like, what? um, and so I was like, what? And, and so I went, <laughs> my voice is went, like I'm doing weird things with my voice today. Um, you know, that, that could be good for your guitar playing. Actually, you might get a lot of fans with, with <laughs> your kid, your kids might appreciate that, that kind my of kids. music. They do. Uh, they they appreciate Moana and Frozen right now. Um, I I left and I I was like I need to learn more. So I emailed Brian and I said, "Do you is there anyone you can connect me to who's in this Bitcoin ecosystem?" And he connected me like two or three people. Um, and every single person I met, they were they, uh, to be fair, like they they were all a little polarizing and uh, like uh, they were all a little, but they were there was something driving them about this technology that wasn't, it was more philosophical than it was technology. And they were so that every single person was so talented and dynamic. Like they were really excited and, you know, they were like, if this works, it's going to be, you know, it was that thing. And I was like, they're not even in this market and they're excited about the technology. Like they're, they're, they're building a search engine. They're building a, and like all these computer scientists were really, really excited. It was all developers who I talked to. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, 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 I was like, well, that's exciting. And then I wait, I sat on it for about two and a half weeks, three weeks. Like I, I wasn't really sure I was back and forth. And then one day I was on the toilet. Um, yeah, well, so yes, apparently Eric newcomer's story, you literally did sit on it. I, I did. I literally sat <laughs> on it. and I was on the toilet. Uh, by the way, all the, like, I always think it, it, it in, investors always sound so confident when they're talking about their decision making and stuff. And like, I don't feel I'm always that confident. I'm just confident in the founders when I'm excited about it. But the decision itself is sort of always, it's always a back and forth. And the, uh, and, and I was sitting on the toilet and I was going to the bathroom and I, uh, and I was reading this economist magazine that had been next to me for like a year, year and a half, maybe I'd read it. I'd read through it a lot. And on the, uh, I, and I, I was, I wasn't really pondering, but then I ran into this article and there was a coin on it and it said Bitcoin bubble bursts or something like that. Um, and it was from 2011. So a year and a half prior, a year prior to me reading this, that was the economist magazine I had. I was like, wow, a year ago, they thought it was dead, but it's already back at 15. And this is saying that the high was 30. It's already back at 15. And uh, someone wants this to exist. Someone wants this market to exist. And so I called Brian. I'm pretty sure I called him while I was still going to the bathroom. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, that's, a, that's a maybe. I don't know. Maybe. It's a maybe. I don't think he cared about that part. He was excited about me saying, I'm in. So I called him. I said, I'm in. And I, I told him my whole thought process. He didn't want to hear about that. Um, he just wanted to say, like, here's the wiring information. Um, and I, uh, I was so excited. Um, I, I was, it was, it was, it was exciting. It was exciting. It was another deal for me and I hadn't done that many deals. So I had got the conviction. I had built it up and I had made the decision and it was, it was so, not a sexy fundraise. Like it, he ended up raising, you know, at that time, every YC company was getting 150 K. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then I think he had another hundred thousand dollars committed ish. And then I put in a little money. 
Um, and then uh, over the next little bit, three months, four months, like he got maybe a trickle of a couple more checks. And he ended up at, he wanted to raise a million dollars and he raised 600,000. And that was, that was it. That was the, and, and that was his sole seed round, which, you know, I, I think founders think of fundraising as the goal now in some ways. And it's really not the goal. Like he, he just needed enough firepower to get going. And then I think Coinbase was, they were generating revenue when I invested, which is early. Like, and it wasn't big amounts, you know, small amounts. I think that the slide deck had a, sixteen thousand dollars in total volume this month or something like that on it uh which is you know they, they did a billion dollars today probably in, in in transactions so pretty it's a different world we're living in now um yeah so that's my that's that's my story made the decision went for it so at that point when you were like okay i'm gonna invest in this company i'm super excited about it i think you'd made like Five, you said five or, or something like that, five, five, six investments before that. Did you think that this was going to be bigger than the other investments that you, that, that you made or, or a bigger startup than the ones you'd made? Cause you're like, Oh wow, this space, if Brian is right, this space could be so massive. Not, or were you like, you know what, so, I'm just so, going to take a punt on this. So not necessarily, <laughs> but what I did notice with that investment was I spent a lot more time defending it than any of my other investments. So I spent a uh, uh, asymmetric amount of time compared to all the other investments I made defending to my grandfather, defending to like every person I talked to. And I was like, I got, I did this deal. Like, uh, and then even then when I went into all in on Bitcoin, which was, we were the first fund boost VC was the first fund to ever do that. Like th there was even more adversarial reaction to it. So like I felt because I was defending, I, I took a stance and I built conviction enough to actually fight. Like that was the thing I realized was there was, and if I'm not even building anything in it, I'm just investing in it. Like imagine how many other people are doing that. Imagine how many people are sticking to their guns saying, this is the way, this is the way forward. And they're not even, they, they might own a piece of Bitcoin. They might own a small, small amount of Bitcoin, Bitcoin whatever. But like that, I'd never, I'd, I'd never seen any community act that way where they're not all a part of the same organization. They're not, but they're all a part of the same belief and they're all fighting for the same thing. Um, and I thought that was, I think that would be where I, uh, in the world of Bitcoin, that was what was interesting was the asymmetric amount of time I was defending my own decision and saying, this is, this is the way forward. Um, yeah. Well, well, that's one of the defining features of crypto that I think makes it different from traditional finance or other industries for that matter too, is the, the people who are so rabid about believing in crypto as a future. And th there was some element of that back then. And was, was that something that you noticed and thought, Oh, if people really care about this almost to the point of that. It's like a religion to some extent. Like, are they uh, like, you know, I mean, it, are, it, are it, they're, they're going to, they're going to do this instead of something else. And did that, did that resonate with you? I mean, it, it became religion, right? Like it, it always becomes it. You, you have to, I think it was interesting because it was unpopular. Like it was an unpopular opinion to believe that banks weren't going to be the place where all the value was stored. It was an unpopular opinion to believe that you could, control your own assets. It was like everything about it made you have to explain 
and be more rational about the explanation where it's like, hey, I, hey, I think the U.S. has actually managed a good banking system in general, right? Like, and there are a lot of people who will argue about 2008 or like whatever. But like in general, like it was the way to scale money up till now. And I'm just saying there could be another path forward. And like that, my one description there where it's like unlock the p- potential, that took a thousand different conversations with tons of people of like fights. It, I remember there's this great, there's an amazing, oh my gosh, we just, Barry Silver and I just realized that we were on the same panel a long time ago in Half Moon Bay. Barry Silver, who runs DCG, and Mickey He's, Malka, yeah. who's over at Ribbit, we were all on the same panel at, it was 2013, and it was in, uh, it was in Half Moon Bay, and uh, we were, there were 10 people in the audience. 12 people in the audience. No one was in the audience. And they were mean. That's all I remember about that event was like no one was there to listen to what we had to say. They were all there to tell us we were wrong. Uh, oh man! What, what were the questions? I will. I'll, I'll admit that like Barry, held, uh, Barry and Mickey held their own really, really well. And I was just, all I was sitting there thinking was like, "Wow, like these people are just like really, really upset about like their and and Bitcoin was a were they were they, time, were they sent by the banks? Uh, were they, they were they sent by the it, banks? So I, they were. It was bankers. I mean, it was bankers. It was uh, it, the whole. It was a capital markets event. It was called something capital markets. I just tried to email the person who ran the event just to get a uh, like a flyer to frame because I think it was a good representation of like the group of people who hated it, right? Like who would have not liked Bitcoin because their whole world was be- built on the banks working. Um, yeah, so that that was that that was a fun. Those those events happen all the time though. Those events happen all the time. Those were like, I mean, every, every event had one heckler. Even the ones that were pro Bitcoin had a, cu- a couple economists who were saying we were wrong. Like, and it was uh, economists at the beginning hated Bitcoin. They were like fixed monetary supply. Like, you know, it, deflationary. Well, I mean, and you this can't is have even, a deflationary currency, you know? I mean, this is even like not just 2012 that people were either skeptical or dissenters, but 2013, 14, 15, 16, even through, through the crypto winter 2018 or so, right? So, you know, at what point, there always seems to be a time where an investor gets less worried about whether or not a business will make it. We even saw it in the, the Business Insider article with, with, I think, one of your friends, Tom Lavero from IVP, who even when, when they were about to make that investment, I think it was 2017, Ethereum crashed. And he had to make that decision of, oh, do I go ahead with this investment? And that was relatively recent. So, And you were obviously in Coinbase since 2012 and were very long crypto by that point. So at what point in time did you get less worried about whether or not you thought this business, and maybe let's elevate it as well, this industry would make it? You know, there's a fine line between stubborn and high conviction. And I'm not sure where I landed. And maybe it was just lucky, but I slowly followed this bread trail from Brian onward to amazing human being after amazing human being who were all involved in cryptocurrency. You could have asked me in 2013 and 2014, and I would have said this is 100% going to be a thing. I will admit, the only time 
I've ever faulted, I ever stumbled in the market was 2014, 2015. And it was because uh, it, it's, it's not the people in those events who were like challenging it because it was their like livelihood and they just wanted to pick on us or something. I don't know. Like, you know, we were the geeks at the party. Um, like the, uh, that, those weren't the people who bothered me. The people who bothered me were the people who trivialized the ecosystem because they, they would have meetings with me and they say, Oh, is that Bitcoin thing still a thing? And like, having meeting after meeting after meeting where you're still trying to build up the ecosystem uh, where there like there was six month period where no one wanted to hear anything about it. Um, and then Ethereum came and like it changed the game after Ethereum, Ethereum launch. I, I you know, there, I was so heavy handedly a Bitcoin maximalist uh, at the beginning but I didn't realize that really we needed just more people like uh, we needed more people who are excited about the ecosystem. We need more people. And that's what Ethereum brought. It brought more people to the ecosystem to uh, build great tools, to develop a better world forward. So I, I've always, I mean, I bet the farm early, like I bet I, it wasn't coin, Coinbase. I, I, I will freely admit that Coinbase was luck. Like that was just the, I bet on a great person in a good market and like in, in a small market at the time, but like unknown market, unknown mystery market. Um, but my conviction oh. built and I have invested in 110 crypto boost VC has invested in 110 crypto related startups since then. And a lot of the greatest company ether scan, we backed a lot of Coinbase's of, in different markets, uh, mm -hmm. we were first check in Polychain. Cool. We um, we've just helped develop this ecosystem, and like it would be very difficult. Like you know, you sort of have to think of what your absolute truths are as an investor, and like it would have been difficult at any time in my career to be like, I don't believe that Bitcoin will ever be a thing. Like I mm -hmm. had to, it, and I think just like those, just like those people were heckling us, like in the market, like I'm that person, but for crypto, right? Like I'm that person who like their livelihood, their beliefs, their system was, this is where the smartest people are going to be building things. Um, but that doesn't come how, overnight. How like, soon after, yeah. how, how soon after you invested in Coinbase, did you buy your first Bitcoin? Uh, I could probably look at the timestamp. It was probably, by the way, this is uh, here. I'll tell another quick Brian story. Okay. So this, the deal closed. Right. And he calls me. I'm, I'm in my car. He calls me and he goes, um, hey, like, oh, dude, so excited to have you involved. Uh, I mean, so, so everyone sounds super casual in my world. Um, the uh, it's just, dude, super excited to have you involved. Um, some of the other investors, which I didn't know at the time were two, three other investors, um, they decided to buy an equal amount of Bitcoin on the on the so like invest in in coinbase but also mm -hmm. buy an equal amount through uh, through coinbase and i remember vividly the thing going through my head being like dude i just gave you all this money like i i, don't, I can't spend more money on you right now um and i had also just started boost vc so i had just invested like a lot of money into this new entity that i was starting the journey of so i was thinking like i can't i can't do this right now um, which would have been Bitcoin at 12, 
And uh, that would have been the best investment of my life right there. Um, Brian was giving you a gift that was even bigger than Coinbase. And I did not take it. I took it uh, three months later. So I ended up, I ended up buying at uh, about 30, 35 bucks per Bitcoin. Um, and still okay. And by the way, some of my coins did get lost on uh, Mount Gox. Uh, I ended up uh, buying most of them through Coinbase, fortunately. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, they, those ones did not get lost. But the uh, but there there I was buying a futures contract on Bitcoin, and they their miners like were hosting through Mount Gox and all all gone. Well, it shows you what a trusted institution. Completely the value trust. that they have it's in an ecosystem, right? And that's that, that's what one of the things that Coinbase has done so well. But no, I, I think you're hitting on a really interesting point, and, and it's something I think Chamath referenced recently because he passed on Coinbase but invested into Bitcoin. And it's kind of like you can't be on either side of this discussion. You almost have to be in one camp or the other. The right thing would have been to either do nothing or do both. And it sounds like you quickly realized that in order to be a believer in Coinbase, you had to also be a believer in Bitcoin or crypto and vice versa. If you were going to believe in Bitcoin or crypto, you had to believe in Coinbase. Yeah. I, you know, when, when at Boost VC, our first session was not Bitcoin. So we didn't have any Bitcoin companies, but our second session was, we said we were going to back seven Bitcoin related startups in this next session. Um, and the what I what what the real bet was on that decision um, was that Bitcoin was not going to grow as fast as the innovations built on Bitcoin, which I was wrong. <laughs> Bitcoin grew faster. However, the people who are still around today from then are fully like it would have been almost equivalent to have invested in Bitcoin and them. Uh, most, most of the investments, um, not all of them. And like, uh, we weren't, we didn't hit all the time. I never want people to think that venture capital is you hit everything. It's not. Um, but the bit, you don't, <laughs> I, you, when you hit, you just want to hit big. I, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I, I'm a, you're, you're a slugger. You're a slugger. It, but it, you, I found out what slugging percentage actually meant. And it's not we venture capital is not actually about slugging percentage. It's actually about uh, how far you can hit. <laughs> that, you know, that's, a, that's a really interesting way of framing it. I don't think I've ever heard of it that way because you obviously like the, the the way people have always described it in venture is that it's more about how many home runs you hit. Yes. While at bat, right? So like Mickey Mantle hit a lot of home runs. He'd also have a high strikeout percentage, but it didn't matter because he was a slugger and he did home runs. I think you're actually making a really interesting distinction to all of that, which is in, in venture, like it's one thing to hit 10 home runs. And yes, you'll do fine if you hit 10 home runs, billion dollar plus companies for sure. But if you hit a ball that goes 700 feet, which I think would probably be impossible. I think most, most, most stadiums in baseball, I am the worst at this because I was well, the most improved player I remember in my, Mark, my little league baseball league I remember, and I was I, still the worst player. I remember but, Mark, Mark <laughs> McGuire, Mark McGuire, when he was on steroids and stuff, he, uh, he hit one that was like 600 and something, you know, so whatever, yep. like super, well, super far. But that's the equivalent, right? Like Coinbase is this, is the 600 foot mm-hmm. bomb, right? It's you a hundred billion, a hundred more, more than a hundred billion today. I think with, yeah where the prices are or at least were before before this episode 
but like that's a really interesting point. I mean, how do you how do you think about that when it comes yeah, to? Yeah. By the way, how hard how is you it think not about to look investing? at the price right now? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but how how I, I, at the beginning, I've always just had an affinity for things that are unexplainable, and like I think that it just became a superpower for me looking at investments. It's like. Uh, helping people translate those very, very hard to define things to the mass consumers. And so I I spent my first four years in in investment. I would say I I'm 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 being paid back finally for the thousands of hours I spent articulating what Bitcoin was, like to the masses and keep and helping the, the ecosystem. Um it was you know I I think I really love being a translator of hard things to, and I say it hard future and we call it sci-fi, but it's like translating these, these concepts, these ideas to like the average person. Uh, I've always thought of myself as a pretty average person. Like I, it takes me a little while Mm, to understand things. No, no, no. I, I I would dispute that. And I mean this in the most respectful way. And I think I've told you this before, but I think your weirdness and your ability to think about things differently because you have such different and interesting takes on things that most people just don't have. They don't see the world the way that you see it. That, that is what well, has I, made you see things I, that others always, haven't. As always the best six man, my, Michael, I, I, I appreciate that. The, 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 the championing on, I, I think, you know what? I'm more receptive to the crazy than most people. Like, I think that's the thing is like, you know, someone, actually built a jetpack. you see someone fly a jetpack, you invest in that person, right? Like that, that person has had to fail flying. Like that person has had to, you know, like that, that sort of thing. I think it's just a lot of people would look at that and think of the risk. I'm just thinking of all the things that that person had to do to like fly. Like no one else has done this before. How is that possible? So I, I think, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Investing is a very, it's an interesting business and I, I love it because I get to meet amazing people like you, like, and me following my curiosities, I just find new things. Like I find new stuff and Bitcoin just happened to be all of the most interesting people all at once. And I got to be early. I got to be sort of a thought leader. Uh, I got to help banks. I got to help, you know, I've, I've, I'm always super appreciative. Fidelity has been super early in the market. We've I've had a great relationship with Fidelity. Um, like I, I think I've gotten to meet just some of the most interesting and amazing people by taking a shot, um, and 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 either being stubborn on that shot or being high conviction. And I'm somewhere between those two. So you mentioned something interesting, which is cryptos. Obviously, like it started out as weird but it's maturing now. It's now truly hit the mainstream with Coinbase going public, and it's now a public company that anybody can buy the stock of. And how do you then think about crypto from here? If you like to invest in the things that seem to be a little bit odd, a little bit different, does crypto still have that potential? And if so, where? Yeah, it's really fun. So crypto is really fascinating. Uh, Yes, we still... uh, try to look at unseen pieces of the cryptocurrency market. Like right now, while everyone else is very, very excited about DeFi, even though we're amped on DeFi, we've made a couple of DeFi investments, we're amped on them. The main thing, like the thing that I see coming that a lot of people don't see coming 
and people aren't really paying attention to is decentralized web. So like when content is decentralized, when uh, you can host a website online decentralized, we invest in a company called Unstoppable Domains and then also Protocol Labs and both of those things working in tandem give you a new internet. Like that that type of thing, I think it's almost ERC-20 smart contracts drove a huge wave of people to participate in these uh, ICOs and support ideas and then trade those ideas. The tokens were the ideas. Uh, NFTs brought a whole new generation of like artists and all this behavior. What I'm seeing is there's a whole new market segment in this decentralized web that's going to be attracted to the idea of uh, sovereignty of your information and your identity. And like, I'd say not as many people are paying attention as as they should. Do you, so, do you think that the trust that people are now placing in the crypto world because of bastions of trust like Coinbase being so public now, uh, literally and figuratively, uh, things like the NFT space where people who may not have invested in, into into the crypto space at all or owned any crypto assets now are doing that because they understand it through the, the cultural the cultural aspect of, of NFTs, do you think that will make it significantly easier for people to then transition to this I, this kind of crypto world in the identity space with things like domains.unstoppables.crypto domains uh, or what Protocol Labs are doing, things like that? 100%. So, you know, there's always the major mission and then there's what the product is. Uh, and I think... And in order to get to the the mission, which is let's say for Coinbase's sake, it's uh, one financial open financial infrastructure, right? Like that's their main mission. Um, but their product for five years was buy Bitcoin easy, the easiest way to buy Bitcoin. And I think where the entire ecosystem has a similar like mission, which is get nine billion people onto this system. But it's about where the demand yep. and the technology unlocks are to be able to get new groups of people there. Um, and so we're starting to mm-hmm. hit a critical mass at different pieces. And we're almost at that that like w- critical mass where you can do cool things where we trust crypto enough. When we, when we got, mm-hmm. when I got into crypto, there it was, uh, I'm gonna call them pirates. It was a bunch of pirates. Like they, like they, they, were, they were working on their own, if, if you would call it the wild west or uh, I don't like the word anarchist, but that was sort of like a big group of like drug dealers, whatever. Like they were there, but computer scientists saw the value of what this thing was going to unlock, right? Like that was the thing that ended up unlocking a trillion dollar market, which is unseen, an unseen trillion dollar market. Well, it seems like, I mean, in many, many respects, for the last few years, people have started to talk about commercialization being the big thing, right? In Internet 1.0, you had commercialization once you had the Netscape moment, right? People started to say, okay, I could think about going online and using AOL and communicating online and thinking about how to, how to transact online, very early stages of those things happening. Do you think that this is crypto's Netscape moment? And that commercialization will then follow because of all the trust, the people involved, the new capital coming in. I mean, crypto works when we stop saying crypto, right? Like internet worked when we stopped saying the internet. I, I think it's uh, like we. I don't say Google on the internet, like, uh, and I'm sure at some point people did. And the uh, well, every business is an internet business now because it yeah. has to be. I, 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 I'm a Dude. little disappointed if someone's so, not using the internet. Like, uh, so so. 
if we take that or analogy trust. forward, every business, every business has to be an internet business or have a component of touching the internet in some way, shape, or form. Do you think eventually every business is going to be a crypto business? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still are just at the beginning stages of understanding what decentralized autonomous organizations are going to allow for what, uh, and that's a very crypto thing. I don't know who's watching, uh, but the, uh, but like th there's all these technology bringing down the borders of the world to enhance innovation that's starting to happen. Uh, and people are able to I mean, even just like remote contracting is an innovation, right? Like the ability to hire someone in the Ukraine and build a website is an innovation. Like these are things where w they're in the Ukraine, but I'm building something that adds value to me today. Actually, I think my first website I built, but here, I'm, I'm, I'm only gonna, I'll say this only on your podcast, so, uh, uh, Michael. Um, when I started angel investing, um, and I'm changing topics really quickly, but the uh, uh, when I was investing in those first 20 startups, I didn't know I was going to start Boost VC. I thought I was just going to be an angel investor sort of thing, kind of, and start building something else. Um, hey, if you had done that, given your fifth investment, Coinbase, I, th I think you could probably be a career uh, angel investor. True. <laughs> uh, so I, my goal was to be a, an, an anonymous superhero of an angel investor. Okay. And this shirt is, is the shirt that I designed. Uh, I think it was a Ukrainian designer who designed it actually. Um, and it, no, it was, they were in Denver. Um, the, <laughs> and it, it, it my, my, the name of my investment thing was ghost angel, um, which is awesome. Uh, might I add? And all of my first well, investments. Well, you you would have you would have been the complete mockery of VC Braggs, given the ghost, ghost angel, ghost angel. <laughs> and, and my goal was to be a notorious angel investor without anyone knowing my identity. Now, it doesn't work if you want deal flow. <laughs> but my first twenty investments all got this shirt. And of those, it's like four or billion dollar companies and they all love this shirt. They still have it. Most of them. So they, they, they like Coinbase, they still work out in this shirt. It's, it's a good workout shirt. You know, like it's a good. And that's why I'm wearing it today. It's like this was my angel investment shirt when I was invested. That, in Coinbase. that is an incredible that is an incredible story yeah. uh, for so, for so many reasons that, that you wanted to be the anonymous investor that you hopefully would not who would not hopefully not ghost founders but be the ghost angel be the ghost um, angel that, yes that's that's too good that's yeah. that's that's too so, good I, this oh, is the first I'm, time i've ever I'm said glad that you shared that this is the first time i've ever said that i'm glad yeah. i'm glad you shared that because the world the world should hear that story that that is a very very good one but but it so, is it is I, true for deal flow you kind of need to be a person and i'm sure there are people who have figured out how to be ghost angels uh but, well yeah. you say that but wasn't there a wasn't there a crypto venture a crypto based venture fund that would fund projects through crypto tokens and and would do it completely anonymously and i think do it completely through voting with oh like, people yeah. deciding how much yeah, yeah that yeah, would through, be the next see, uh, 
the first DAO was sort of a big blow up. And so everyone thought decentralized or autonomous organizations weren't going to work um, because someone hacked it. Ethereum had to fork to a new uh, system. But they work. They're great. We backed Aragon, which is one of the best providers of DAOs. And a lot mm-hmm. of the best DAOs are built on it. But that's what the, that was the idea. And now people are doing it. So there's PyDAO, there's uh, Flamingo, there's, they're like, you know, 10 of these uh, DAOs that are community-driven investment vehicles. Yes. So actually, technically, Ghost Angel could be a DAO. I'll, I'll, maybe you I'll want to save that. Get I'll, Ghost Angel, Ghost Angel on Unstoppable and yeah. get that domain. I'll and then Unstoppable Ghost <laughs> Angel. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So... Before we wrap up, because you found Coinbase so early and you saw things, you you do see the ball, by the way, but you saw things before they were big. What in your mind is the next crypto? You know, I asked the Winklevoss twins this on my podcast um, and they said it's crypto still. Um, But here, this is what I'm going to say. My whole thesis is that there are two revolutions happening in the world. Uh, one is a digital world. One is a physical world. The digital world has crypto, internet, uh, uh, AI, internet, other virtual reality. And so people are doing this. And then on the other side, it's, uh, you know, neuro, space, oceans, all those things. Um, the... What I will say is one of the things is reading the tea leaves a little bit on what the world is desiring and what they're thirsting for. And in, in crypto was that, by the way, Bitcoin was that like Bitcoin, they, people were thirsting for financial innovation. And so fintech took off, but also yep. cryptocurrency took off. Like yep. if, you, if you'd invest in every fintech, after company, the global well. financial crisis. A global yeah, and after the crisis. global financial crisis, right? And lack of trust in financial institutions. And so I think the main thing that I'll say is I think the world's thirsting for true scientific breakthrough right now. And uh, fu- and so it's, uh, I, th- I think it's like last year. Last year's a perfect example. 2020, we had 26 rocket launches by SpaceX. NASA had not done one since 2011. Uh, the, uh, like, the, the, like uh, there's just so many the vaccine we got a vaccine out in a year like there's all these amazing amazing things that should essentially be services provided by the government but the government's not funding them so i think the least sexy thing to be right now would be the government and so my bet and it's so counterintuitive that it makes a little sense is that major innovation coming out of uh, government bodies is going to be a big deal and uh, that's the probably like hot take. Um, and so it's like, so yeah. Does that, does that come from within and people who figure out how to champion innovation within these governmental organizations, or does no. that come from the outside helping no. governments? No, I, figure this I out? think, I think Palmer lucky identified this early with Underrail. I think he's going to be a huge leader in sort of like, being a micro contractor to the U.S. government, and like that's going to be a really big deal. Um, and the and then consumerizing that technology—that's the missing link—is Boeing and Lockheed have completely destroyed this, just like the banks messed up the Fed. Like the, the, their incentives ended up being just sit there, be clunky, make no innovation. 
like that. And, and I shouldn't bash those places, but that's what's happened. And so now if we're in a world of like competing nations, like the U.S. is I don't think is necessarily ahead. And so I think that the U.S. is going to be funneling tons of capital to this. I think the uh, I, yeah, I think it's a counterintuitive thing that sort of my 10 year bet uh, is sort of like I, I also think climate change is going to be a revolution of this thing. Um, you have to figure out how to weaponize money at a higher level. And that's where the government comes in. Well, what's interesting is, so if we play this string out on this a little bit, with climate change, that feels like something that governments have to all collaborate on. Because that's, that, that's a world problem that transcends state, that transcends, transcends the nation state, right? And that we all, we all either benefit or don't from collaboration on that. Crypto, on the other hand, may be a threat to governments, and certain governments. So how do you think about both of those things? Because both of those things, to your point, are going to be a big thing going forward. And they are going to impact governments, but they may have the opposite directions that they're heading. No? Hey, I think the government has a chance to show what they actually do in the next five to 10 years. I, I don't feel I've ever been particularly attached to like my local assembly people or my governor or my like my president like i think that i'm so detached from like those decisions that it's just uh, okay and I, there was a world where that wasn't true like there 50 years before i lived like people were like proud and understood what their vote meant and like all that stuff like i think by the way i think governments are going to start buying bitcoin so I, peter Thiel said something about it weakening the us dollar yeah, weakening the U.S. dollar like the internet weakened the U.S. dollar. Like I, I don't know. Like if you are the first to adopt something, you end up being the the let things flourish, and you will be the place where all innovation happens. Uh, stamp it out, you will not. And I think that uh, that's sort of the battle that's going on right now: centralized versus decentralized. Like they're worried about. Uh, um, but it's like okay, if the government doesn't print money, what do they do? And so they're going to have to scramble and find what they actually do because they don't print money anymore. I think it's a network that prints money. And I think that, uh, and it's a network driven by communities. Um, I think, I think a lot of things, I think the, <laughs> I, I'm just excited about the next 15 years. Like the, every time I meet a new founder, every time I meet a new, like, I'm I'm getting you know you're interviewing me like I made a great decision when I was 26 years old and uh, I some people didn't make a great decision when they were 26 years old and I get the benefits of that when I'm 35 but that just means I get to do I get to keep doing what I love doing like that and at the end of the day that's sort of what the great part of like this is but I'm under no guise that I am the reason that Coinbase succeeded I'm under no guise that I'm I'm, I got to be a small part of a great story, um, but the the entrepreneurs are the champs, right? Like the founders are the people who are like really making the change occur, making the changes happen. I'm I'm just thankful that I've been able to sort of be magnetized to a couple of really great people. It could be because I you know I grew up in a family of venture capitalists. It could be because I like comic books. I don't know why, but I was programmed to sort of just like try to surround myself with really, really amazing people. 
and then capitalize when I can on the craziest things. And I get to do that. And now people are going to give me credibility because I back Coinbase. But like, yeah, I just, I just love it. I love it. I, I mean, you don't get more in people always comment on how young I look because you know, I have three kids and like yeah, back Coinbase nine years ago. And like, <laughs> I, I think it's just, I get to talk to people about the craziest stuff every day. And like, I get jazzed and like, I, I'm just like, what? So the what's bit. the day that you, that you stop doing what you're doing and why? I, I mean, the beauty of uh, venture capital tennis and golf is that you can play them forever right um the <laughs> the uh i and i you know i'm pretty good at tennis uh so i i think you I were think very it, good at tennis actually you 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 try to play in australia yeah i did well i did i did play in australia whether i played yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. immensely well or you try to play the, professionally yeah i tried to play professionally in australia and the uh yeah. And I, you know, I like, I think people who are competitive do pretty well in business just because, uh, and it's like the slow burn competitive, not the immediate gratification competitive. Like, yeah, you just want to keep doing the thing. It's one step in front of the other for 10 years. And then, you know, you might have a, t- it's literally 10 years to an overnight success. Like, you know, Brian's been on this mission for 11 years, probably 10, 10, 11 years. And, uh, it, I, I, I reward the hyper focus. I get to, as a venture investor, sort of teleport in and feel it and then teleport out and, and help. I, I try to help anyway. Um, and the uh, and I think that's the goal. The goal is to try to help as much as you can. Network, capital, enthusiasm. I'm just a battery charge. Like I talk to someone, I'm just going to give them a battery charge. That's it. I, I go in when they are either depressed or excited to get them more excited. And like, I go in and like my team plugs me in, they, they go, Oh, you should probably talk to th- them. And I go, Woo! and they, and all of a sudden they're like, it, it turns out a battery charge is all people need. Sometimes it's great. I don't know what I've been talking about for the last I, hour. I just like communicating with you, man. No, this has been awesome to be able to share your, your story with, with the world on Coinbase, your story about ghost angel, your, your thoughts on, on startup and the, and the venture world. Cause I think the other piece of this too, is there's no one right way to do venture. There's no one right way to be an investor, but it's always helpful for people to hear the stories of why and how somebody backed somebody early on, because I think you can learn so much from that, right? I mean, it's, and, and you just pick up key insights. Like when I read your post, seeing the ball, like you just start to think about, oh, how and why does Adam look at founders a certain way? And there's something to learn from that. There's something to learn from the way you thought about Coinbase at that time. And then even younger Adam learning from, uh, or older Adam learning from younger younger Adam Adam. of like, Oh, here's what, here's what I saw in Coinbase. Now I'm 35. When I see the next entrepreneur, here's what I'm going to think about. I, I do think about past Adam and future Adam a lot. Uh, like, like they are two different people. And today's one of those days I get to be like, thank you, past Adam. You were great. No, past Adam was doing just fine. Yeah, he he figured he figured it out very well, and had no. And also, something to note for early angel investors: you shouldn't know what's a success for a while. Like, I think something that's happened in the last five years is angel investing has become very popular because you learn a lot. You learn a lot from doing it, and you don't need to invest a ton. You can invest a small amount of money, but like. The ones that you think are going to be the life changers aren't necessarily those ones. And the, uh, 
And the ones that have mo- like a lot of momentum right when you make the investment aren't necessarily the ones that work. Uh, the, but the ones who have sort of have a slow burn, they know how to control momentum, they know how to build momentum, those ones end up doing really, really well no matter what they're doing. And it's sort of like they're in it for the right reasons. Their soul is in it. Their identity is wrapped up in the business, uh, basically. It's like what – as a culture, what we say – one of the things when you meet someone new is you say, what do you do? And like if your identity split on who you are and what you do, like entrepreneurs, they should be all in. You need to be all in. And that's the seeing the ball concept is just you're all in. Everything you're doing is really about making this concept better and building towards it. Um, yeah. That's a great final word to end on because I think this podcast was emblematic of a slow burn. There was so much great stuff at the end, just as there was the beginning with the guitar playing, but, but it, it kind of lasted all the way through. So th- right. thanks for coming on, on on such a special day for you. So congratulations. Right. You've Thank earned you. it. You, you've what you've done at boost is incredible, not only for the business you've built, but for the crypto ecosystem. Right. And now hopefully the, the oceans ecosystem, the VR and AR space. So yeah, you, you, you deserve all the success that you've gotten because you've, you've worked really hard to build it. I really appreciate that. I, I champions like you make, make it completely awesome. You're my battery. So I get the battery battery and then i get to go like give it out to all these other people and a really fun thing is i'm gonna go talk to my grandpa right after this so i gotta go have lunch so i'm pretty amped to to have a lunch with my grandpa and to talk to him have have fun with that that's gonna be a fun one given 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 today and 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 everything that he did in his career so adam it was great to have you on awesome thanks for listening to this episode of alt goes mainstream I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more episodes of the podcast at any of your favorite podcast sites, and you can read more about alts at my Substack, altgoesmainstream.substack.com, and follow me on Twitter at, at Michael Stigmore and at GoesAlt. Thanks a lot, and have a great day. We're going